Welcome to the Papa Cast, a Giants cast. I'm Bob Papa. Throughout the course of the season, twice a week, we're going to take you in-depth inside the New York Giants, earlier in the week and late in the week, right through training camp and through the preseason. Here on the Papa Cast, Giants cast, all views and opinions expressed during this podcast are not the views held by the New York Football Giants Club. These views are mine and my guest views and are not a reflection of the New York football Giants. So we are going to get you set for training camp 2016 as the players are reporting. And by popular demand, we welcome back Paul Dettino of the WFAN Giants Radio Network and the producer of the WFAN Giants Radio Network. You can see both of these guys on Giants.com. We've got Paul Dettino and John Schmelk. Guys, how are you? Hey, Bobby Pops, how are you? All right, players report. They're in. Here we go. Training camp 2016 is underway. So let's take a look at this football team. First, I want to ask you, Paul and John, your biggest question marks going into camp. Well, if you put the health thing aside, because we don't know what's going on with Victor Cruz, obviously, and that's got to be the number one concern of this offense, I'm looking defensively, where is the Giants' defensive line going to stand? Are they going to do a better job stopping the run, and are they going to do a better job of getting to the quarterback? To me, if you put the injury stuff aside, that is the one unit that has the biggest question mark on it because if they can get dramatic improvement out of those guys, this team's going to be a lot better regardless of what else happens. The way I look at it, Bob, and we're talking big picture now, the reason this Giants team struggled so much last year was the defense. We know this offseason that they brought in a lot of individually talented players. We don't know how well they're going to work together as a team yet. So in training camp, we'll see it in practice. But frankly, I want to see this first-team defense in preseason games get to the quarterback, dominate, force some turnovers. Because unless this defense makes significant progress from last year, gets into the top half of the league in terms of defense, points allowed, yards allowed, things like that, Nothing else is going to matter. Last year, there were nine teams in the National Football League that scored 400 or more points. Seven of those nine made the playoffs. The Giants and the New Orleans Saints were the two teams that scored 400 or more points. Sounds did right. Did not make the playoffs. So, and which is fitting in the kind of game that they played down in New Orleans yes. last year. <laughs> it is. So, we take a look at this defense. And obviously, there's still always these questions at linebacker. But let's start with the defensive line. Obviously, Damon Harrison is a, a welcome addition to this team, and you hope that Jonathan Hankins, who is really coming on as a player before he got hurt, can really solidify that interior part of the defense. Anybody else catch your eye as far as that rotation is concerned? Well, at the defensive tackle spot, Bob, I think the Giants have a lot of unproven guys behind those starting two. Do you know what Lewis Nix is? Do you know what Jay Bromley is? Do you know what Montori Hughes is? I don't. I haven't seen these guys play enough. So to me, there's a lot of unproven commodities there. And I'm going to tell you right now, if a veteran defensive tackle, a guy who's still got some gas in his tank, should somehow break free during training camp, I would not at all be surprised if the Giants pick up a veteran defensive tackle who has a proven track record who can be part of that rotation on the inside. Bob, let's call it like it is. This defensive line is very top-heavy right now. You have four guys that are all making... Fairly premium money. Jonathan Hankins stole his rookie contract. The other three guys have all been re-signed this offseason. Olivier Vernon, JPP, and Snacks Harrison. We know those guys can do their job. We know Hankins can stop the run. We know Snacks Harrison can stop the run. We know Vernon and JPP can rush the quarterback. Who else is giving you anything significant? 
We don't know the answer to that. Kerry Wynn showed something a couple years ago, didn't make a lot of progress last year. Jay Bromley, third-round pick, time for him to step up. Uh, Owa Digizua didn't even play as a rookie. He was hurt the whole year. Who else is going to give you something? You know Steve Spagnuolo likes to rotate his defensive lineman. Well, if he's going to do that, someone else is going to have to step up to anchor that second group. Yeah, and I mean, I think Kerry Wynn is a diminishing returns player, in my opinion. It's when he plays in small packages, I think he can be an effective guy coming off the bench as part of your rotation, fresh legs, help you out on special teams. The problem was the more snaps he has to play, I don't think you get the same kind of value out of a guy like that. And and listen, it gives you a lot for an undrafted free agent, but you know those are not supposed to be your 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 bell cows. My big question here's my biggest question mark about this defensive front: Jason Pierre-Paul. Until I see him grab somebody and sack somebody or tackle somebody in an NFL game, I'm going to remain skeptical as far as how much he can really bring. We saw him get pressure. We saw him last year help out the other guys so that they were able to get some sacks, like Robert Ayers, who had a career high in sacks because of JPP's presence. But there were a lot of times where JPP had the play literally in his grasp and wasn't able because he was wearing the club. Not going to do it this year. But now we got to see him actually do it before I'm a believer. Or else that creates another big concern for me with this defensive front. You know, Bob, I think during the offseason we've seen him post a lot of videos on social media of him grabbing the weights and doing some things that he had not done last summer in terms of the weights. Are the weights weight moving, though? They're not. Are they running by him at 4-2-40 speed? No, they are not. But I guess what I'm saying is the fact that he's doing something a little different and I'm seeing some progress there, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and so are the Giants, that that does translate into grabbing a moving target. You are absolutely right. We don't know the answer to that. I will say this, though. JPP is a much better player against the run than people give him credit for. And the problem is he gets abused by that read option. And it's happened time and time again, even when he was healthy, that people look at that and then they say, oh, you know, he doesn't play the run at all. I disagree with that. I actually think that a couple years ago when he had 70-plus tackles oh, he was good. end, he was good mm-hmm. and was a solid run stopper. Better run stopper than OCU Manura was, but not nearly as good as Michael Strahan. Or Tuck. Or Tuck. Somewhere in the middle, which is perfectly fine if he can be that guy again. Bob, you're right. I don't know if he can be, but I suspect he's going to be more like that than the guy we saw last year. And, Bob, I think this is less of a worry than JPP because of the physical problem there. But what version of Olivier Verdon shows up? Is it the guy that played the first three years of his career and the first six games of last year? Or is it the guy that was one of the top defensive ends in football, which he was the final eight to ten games of last year? Which version of Olivier Vernon shows up to play for the Giants this year? I think you hope that is the natural progression. He continues to get better. He builds on what he did second half of last season. But, again, let's see it happen on the field. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident that He's an ascending player. I agree with you. I, I I really believe that. I think their evaluation shows that he's got very unique skill sets. Uh, so I, I'm I'm pretty confident that he's a guy that's going to be an emerging player. Now he needs to get off to a, a relatively quick start because you know how it is in New York with athletes in any of the sports, mm-hmm. whether it's a hockey player, a basketball player, a baseball player, you know, big free agent signing, and suddenly, you know, it takes, you know, two and a half weeks to hit your first home run, you know, the pressure starts to build. So I think he needs to get off to a relatively quick start just to sort of let himself settle in. But I like 
the fact that he's got Steve Spagnuolo who will create opportunities for him. Yeah, to me, Bob, I think not only is it important for him because of the pressure and everything else about New York and, and obviously the contract as well, but Steve Spagnolo is going to want to have confidence that he can do all of the stuff that he does. His playbook is complex. He is extremely creative. But the problem is, if he can't trust his guys to get the stuff done early, then it's going to be harder for him to start delving into further chapters of the playbook. He's going to have to, quote, keep it simple. How many times have we heard coaches say that? Keep it simple, stupid. Dan Reeves, that was his favorite phrase, kiss, the kiss theory. Well, you have to go to that when your guys don't show you at the beginning of the year that they can't be counted on to do what you want. And so... To me, that's even more important in terms of Vernon's get-off. He's got to prove to Spags he can be the dominant player that they think they got. And same thing for JPP. I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch Vernon play in the NFC East. Trent Williams, Jason Peters, Tyron Smith. Those are going to be great matchups to watch every week. Let's get to the, uh, the big question, Mark, because no matter where any of us go, this always becomes the big talk, the linebacker position. Now, the Giants have added a bunch of linebackers, and they've re-signed Jasper Brinkley. Uh, Devon Kennard hopefully can shake the injury bug. But the middle, we saw in 2007 with Antonio Pierce and how important he was for this team defensively, especially in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Even Michael Boley in 2011 under Perry Fuel, he was sort of the glue there. Who's the glue for this defense in this linebacking core? Or... Is there glue to be undetermined, to be determined? You know, Bob, I don't know how many three-down backers are on this roster right now. I think Devon Kennard is a three-down backer. Uh, maybe, maybe Robinson is. He's got to prove it. I haven't seen it yet. And I don't think anybody else on this roster is a three-down linebacker. I really don't. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of rotation based on down, distance, scenario. And, Paul, I've been – Doing this now, it'll be my 10th season. You've been doing a lot longer than I have, so has Bob. I have never seen a position on this roster that have so many guys that are really close to the same talent level. I mean, is Jasper Brinkley really that much more talented than Kelvin Shepard? Are they much more talented than Keenan Robinson? I mean, I'm just not sure which guys they're going to pick out of this group. To me, it's a really tough decision. I don't know where they're going to go. Well, they were all pretty close when Banks, Taylor, and Carson were here. <laughs> but they were, they were, they were all, all Hall of Fame and Pro Bowl level. Exactly. <laughs> so, guys, tell me where the impact's coming from here, in your opinion. Well, I, I'm going to say this, Bob. I, I think that Robinson's going to find his way on the field one way or another. I don't know if it's going to be beating out Brinkley in the middle or if he's going to wind up beating out maybe J.T. Thomas on the outside. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's going to be a three for two. He also has to stay healthy, by the way. Well, yeah, and J.T. Thomas right now isn't. You know, he's coming into training camp off of a, of a leg thing, and we're not even sure how much we're going to see him once they, you know, they get going. So, to me— I really like him, too. I mean— I, He's a good leader. Real good, good leader. I really like him. Good guy. I feel like, I feel like if he could stay healthy— now, J.T. Thomas could be a guy that really brings a dynamic to this defense from the linebacking position that they're looking for. Well, he has more speed than anybody else on that linebacking crew. In terms of pure, straight-ahead speed, I think he's probably the fastest guy amongst the linebackers. The question is, quick too. can he translate that on the field, though? Because you would have thought last year, with his athleticism, he would have been on the field on third down playing coverage, right? Well, you know what? He wasn't. Why? 
He couldn't translate that athleticism onto the field. But you asked about impact, Bob. I, I think, Paul, the one guy you could think could give you the big impact has to be Devon Kennard. He flashed it as a rookie, especially as a pass rusher. And, you know, Steve Spagnuolo likes to get creative. You can use him as a blitzer. That's the guy, if he, again, stays healthy and plays like he did as a rookie, could potentially be your quote-unquote impact player at linebacker. You know what's interesting about that, John? We did see as a rookie a Kennard's ability to come off the edge. And if JPP and Vernon are anything like what we think they could be, you now throw in that third pass rusher. Yeah. It's it's all of a sudden a pretty nasty thing for offenses to deal with. Well, remember, Kennard was an edge rusher in college yes. for a year as he moved from defensive coordinator to new head coach. He did it three or four times in college. So when you use the word impact, Bob, I think John's right in that regard. Out of that kind of package in those situations, Kennard has the ability to make big plays and to have big impact. That doesn't necessarily mean play after play after play consistency, uh, consistency-wise, he's going to make the most tackles. You'd like right. to believe your middle linebacker is going to do that. But remember, going back to college, Bob, Kennard has not been able to stay healthy, and that's yeah. really the most important thing for him. What about the young guys? Any young guys catch your eye? Bob, at the linebacker spot, I mean, look, they brought in a, a bunch of veterans, and then they drafted B.J. Goodson. Yeah, that's the guy I'm asking about. So... So he's the he's like the odd man out. I don't want to say out. He's going to make the team. I really believe that. He you know, they drafted him for a reason. Extremely productive in his one year as a full-time starter in college when he had well over 100 tackles. I get all of that, but this is still a jump for a guy who's had relatively small amount of Division 1 college experience, albeit a big-time program. And in the spring, we saw some promising signs. But I think to ask him right now at this point in time, to step in and become an impact guy and to put a lot of stuff on his shoulders, I think he's asking too much. And you know how much pre-snap stuff middle linebackers have to do in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I think he has the brains, the intellect, and the smarts to do it, but it's just an experience. And with so many other guys with experience in the middle on this roster, I'm with Paul. I think it's a real long road. All right, so let's go to the secondary here. Uh, obviously, the Giants spent a lot of money on Janoris Jenkins, who is a, a difference maker. Dominic Rogers Cromartie, as good a year as he had last year, could have been fantastic. How many pick sixes did he drop? I think three. I mean, like clear, sure fire, mm-hmm. boom, he's gone. Two that could have cost the Giants games. Twenty-one points right there. We'll table that. Well, you know what? I won't table that. I want to go into this, but you need more than that. Are you comfortable with what they have on the roster as far as a fourth guy? Because well, we know Eli Apple. He has looked pretty – Eli Apple's looked pretty good. I've been impressed yes. by his movement. He moves like a pro. Even though he's a rookie, you watch him handle himself out on the practice field during minicamp, and we'll see more during training camp here. But there is a fluidity to him, and there's a – now I'm, saying, I'm not saying he knows everything, but he seems self-assured because he's a film junkie, so you know he's going to be prepared. But then where do you go after that? Well, you'd like to believe that Trevin Wade is going to uh, provide some some help. I mean, last year he was here. He was kind of mixed up and down. But he's a veteran with some experience. He seems to know what he's doing. Uh, Usually, if he's going to get beat, it's physical. It's not going to be mental. I don't see him busting too many coverages, but he can't necessarily keep up with everybody on the field. I really like, you know, uh, Dion, Dante Dion as a slot guy, but, you know, he's only going to be on the field, I think, if they go four wides because he might be one of the two slot corners if he beats out Wade in that spot. Um, 
I'm interested in Smalley. I'd like to see what he's got to offer because when I looked at his college film, albeit at the FCS level, he looked like he showed some promise. Uh, but you know what? There's questions there too. Hey, look, depth in the secondary is something they'll have to figure out. But I'll say something that probably Giant fans will get angry about and roll their eyes and say, John, you're wrong. How could you say that? I think week one against Dallas, your slot corners, Trevin Wade. I don't think Eli Apple is going to be ready to play the slot. I don't think Dominique rogers Camardi is a slot guy. He doesn't tackle well enough. And I think Janoris Jenkins is a star outside corner. Do you want to move him out of a spot where he's most comfortable? Now, that might not stay that way the whole year. But if I had to bet now, I think Trevin Wade is your starting slot corner week one against the Dallas Cowboys. You're listening to the Papa Cast Giants Cast. All year long, we're going to go twice a week, earlier in the week, late in the week, look back at what goes on on the weekend, look ahead to what's coming up that weekend. And uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show, we we threw a tri- we asked a question from our listeners, and we're going to reveal a winner who's going to win my personal tickets, two of my tickets to the Wanamaker Club at the PGA Championship this weekend at Baltusrol. Wow, so wanna... big time prize, Bobby. Yeah, it's nice. It's air conditioned tent. Um, it's got TVs in there. You obviously you're going to walk around the golf course, but with this heat, it's a good place to kind of chillax a little bit during the heat of the day so we're going to reveal our winner a little bit later on uh so this secondary we talked about the corners now the safeties big problems for the giants last year i mean big 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 problems giants drafted a safety does that now put landon collins in a more comfortable position well you hope i mean landon collins i think bob played his best football last year when he was able to play closer to the line of scrimmage tackle you cut down on some of those angles you know, he doesn't have to read so much of the field. He gets into the smaller areas where he does better. And as a tackler around the line of scrimmage, he was very strong. You know, he was good tracking down running backs. It's when he tried to get from the middle of the field to the sideline to get to a wide receiver streaking down the field, that's when you ran into some problems. And also, he had some issues covering man-on-man as well. So, you hope that Darian Thompson, the safety out of Boise State, can be your center fielder. But like we talked about with B.J. Goodson, it's a lot to ask of a rookie to go out there and be the center fielder. What's the problem, though? The guys behind them are all first, second, and third-year guys that also don't have a lot of experience because a lot of them have been hurt over the past couple of years. The Bennett Jacksons, the Nat Burhays, guys like that. So, Bob, it's going to be an inexperienced safety position. It's just the way it's going to be. You hope that Landon Collins makes a lot of progress from year one to year two because of the comfort, because... He's simply a better player. That's when players a lot of times make their biggest jump. But Paul, Darian Thompson claimed first-team reps in the spring. He outplayed guys that have been here for two and three years. He sure did. I'll be hard-pressed to think that he's going to lose those unless when the pads come on and he gets into a game, he has problems tackling. That's the only thing we haven't seen him do yet. You know, the one thing he's got going for him is that he not only played well, but excelled at Boise State, where his coaches just rave about not only his work ethic, but his football smarts, his ability to finish plays. You know, he was their record holder at career interceptions. Got in takeaways. Uh, you can't you can't dispute that production. I, I had a personnel guy tell me many many decades ago. He said, "Hey, listen, the one thing you want to look for when you really don't know much about a college player, the first thing you go to is not his measurables." Look at his production first. If he's got big-time production, either at a big-time program or was far and beyond everyone else in his conference, then you know what? You're going to take a second look. 
He's worth a second look if he's got that. Well, guess what? Darren Thompson has that. And he was a third-round pick, but he was, before the draft, thought to go into round number two, towards the end of round two. Mm -hmm. So the Giants, I think, got very good value with that pick, and they hope that that young safety duo can, frankly, do a lot better than their safeties did last season. Yeah. Um, Let's go to the other side of the ball here. Uh, Eli Manning, in the last two seasons has a completion percentage on average of about 63%. He's averaged 4,400 yards a year, and he's thrown a combined 65 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. It's not bad. And he has a 12-20 and 20 record in the last two years. He's not been part of the problem. He is clearly part of the solution. He's still got his game. He has fit in nicely to Ben McAdoo's. Everyone wondered, you know, he'd been in this system forever under Kevin Gilbride, and he had all the success. Can you teach an older dog new tricks? The dude is so smart. He's so prepared. You know, he prepares. He prepares. He, his brother's preparation was legendary. But Eli does not take a back seat to his brother as far as that no. preparation. It just doesn't get the same kind of maybe publicity. Yep. Um, so we're not concerned about him. I guess my question here with this football team is going to be, Is do you think it's a factor that the head coach, who was his coordinator the last two years, now has other irons in the fire that he has to deal with? Or does Mike Sullivan transitioning over make this a non-factor? I think it's a non-factor because it's Sully. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because Mike Sullivan, after his first year as quarterback's coach uh, with Eli, really seemed to get things right with Eli in that second year they were together, if you recall. First year was a little rocky. But then that second year, Sully seemed to really settle in, and him and Eli hit it off incredibly well. And so I have tremendous confidence that if uh, Coach McAdoo should somehow get distracted, should somehow have to put other irons in the fire, as you just said, that Sully's going to be able to take care of Eli. Why, why shouldn't he be? Yeah, I, I have no concern about it. I don't think it's going to be a worry. But I do think it'll be interesting to see is – how much Ben McAdoo inserts himself into the play calling? Is he going to be Chip Kelly with the board in front of him, you know, calling out plays? Or is he going to, like, Mike, Mike Sullivan call the plays? Are they going to split the duties? They've been very close to the vest. Nobody knows what they're planning. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're going to do. Though, I think, for first-year head coaches, calling plays and doing everything else can be a little bit daunting. So I think he'd be wise to let Mike Sullivan help in that regard. I agree. And I think that they're going to – and I don't know anything other than what I'm guessing because I think Coach McAdoo is really smart. And I've been really impressed sort of the way he has taken the reins of this thing. Yeah. He, he's a, Being around him, he's a guy that has been prepared for this moment mm-hmm. based on who he's worked under. And let's not discount – who he worked under the last two years, a future Hall of Fame head coach in Tom Coughlin. And, and Mike McCarthy has had tremendous success as well. I, my guess is that there'll be some sort of sharing of this because I don't think that McAdoo wants to get caught in that situation where you're so, you got that thing in front of your face and you get so entrenched. Like, Tunnel vision. And we've seen it with Andy Reid. We've seen it with Mike McCarthy at times. Yeah. And mm-hmm. suddenly there's other things that are going on in the game that pass you by and it goes that fast. Heck, in the division, the Cowboys had to take those duties away from Jason Garrett because he was messing up time management in the games. Remember, Holmgren had trouble with that, too, later in his career. Even though he was a veteran coach at that point, it, it overwhelmed him. So, while we're at it, and we're on the offensive side of things, and we're talking about Eli and so on and so forth, as I mentioned, um, we have 
two tickets, my tickets, to give away for the PGA Championship at Baltusrol this weekend. In the Wanamaker Club. Mm. So these are nice. (laughs) Um, You got an opportunity to sort of relax and sort of take it easy. So we got so many great responses. His name is uh, Mike McClune. He hails from New Jersey, Susquehanna, New Jersey. Here's the question, and this was the winning question, although many of the questions were fantastic. But Mike wins the two tickets to the PGA Championship at Baltusrol this weekend. What direction is the Giants' running game going? Jennings got a majority of the carries by the end of the year. Will this continue? Will the Giants split the carries between the numerous backs? I think this is Rashad Jennings' job to be the primary running back. I mean, unless somebody else steps up and blows this coaching staff away, I thought Jennings, when he got blocking from his offensive line, did a pretty darn good job the last yeah, two years. I mean, the, I mean, he finished, what, like third or fourth in the NFL in rushing yards over the last five or six Correct. weeks of the season? Which then kind of spoke to the offensive line, and they did a little bit better than you thought. I would go with Jennings as the bell cow and then use Vereen for his packages and kind of stick with that combo. And then the other guys, you know, I'm not forcing other – it felt at times as if they were forcing these packages in. Mm -hmm. And running backs always talk about rhythm. Offensive linemen talk about – having a similar guy yes. back there so they can get used to how he's going to play off their blocking and everything else. I think they had to have learned when they went back and they do their end-of-the-year grades and they study their ten. they had to have looked at that and said, man, we might have we put too many crayons out of the Crayola box there. You know, Bob, I think one important factor in this decision is going to be, as you mentioned, the line and the blocking. I think the addition of of Will Johnson at tight end is going to help the Giants' run-blocking game. And for me, Rashad Jennings is the kind of guy who does rely on better blocking. When you're talking about a guy who makes people miss and makes something out of nothing, that's not his game. Rashad Jennings will get what's designed. He may get even a little more than what's designed. But if it's not there, he's not going to make something out of nothing. That's why the blocking has to be in concert with who you're putting back there. So if you're going to buy into my theory that Will Johnson will help this offensive line run block better, I think he's a significant component. That means Jennings has the lead foot in terms of being the regular guy because there will be better blocking for him to get it done. And remember, even though Vereen's their third round back and is a great receiver, Rashad Jennings takes a backseat to no one in terms of pass protection and catching the ball out of the backfield. He's very proficient at both, which is very important in a West Coast offense, even on first or second down. So I think that's something to keep keep an eye on. The other thing, Bob, Rashad Jennings has never been a bell cow, 20-carry game a guy for a whole year. He's never had to do it in his whole career. Now, no one's in better shape. He works his butt off at mm-hmm. it. But I think it'd be smart if you limited him to between – 15 to 17 carries a game. I think if you get into that 20 to 25 range, I think you're running into some trouble. How about 12 to 15? And then maybe four catches a game. 
15, I think, is I a think, good place I, to I like 15, somewhere in that 15, 16, 17 range, like you said. And then that gives, if you're, if you're being successful offensively and Eli's connecting with his guys and they're moving the ball, there's going to be enough time to get the other guys yeah. in there and use Vereen's unique talents that at times felt like it was a little bit underutilized last year. If the blocking is better, I also think that Andre Williams could be a little bit in the mix for short yardage because he's another guy who needs a crease. He can't do things on his own. So I think he would stand to benefit some also maybe in goal line. But the pressure is on him. He's got to get – he's got to produce. I mean, listen, when you're when you're down on the depth chart and your number gets called, mm-hmm. it can't be 2.4 yards per carry. No. Bob, to me, the preseason no. is probably more important for Andre Williams than maybe any other player on this roster. He's going to get a ton of carries in those preseason games. Mm-hmm. He's got to take advantage of it. All right, let's go to the O-line. Uh, left side, Flowers – you know the thing about him, he wouldn't come off the field last year. He dealt with ankle injuries, showed a lot of toughness. Uh, I expect him to make that bump into year number two. Sure, uh, but let's talk about the right side. Um, I don't. I mean, everyone talks about the right side of the offensive line. They, they to this point, they haven't made any moves to necessarily upgrade it. However, as we talked about, when they stuck with Jennings, that was the combination that ran the ball well. Well, you know, Bob, to me, you talk about continuity for the second straight year as being a positive. You talk about Will Johnson being added. That's a positive. Uh, But beyond that, basically, you're not going to just turn a guy overnight into a superstar. Uh, Marshall Newhouse was signed to be a backup here. And quite frankly, he was forced into the starting rotation against what the plan was. And he was okay in pass protection more often than not. Not so great run blocking. John Jerry wound up having to come off the bench because Jeff Schwartz got hurt, and all of a sudden he's starting again at right guard. Pass protection is fine. Eli Manning could not do what he did if John Jerry was not good enough in pass protection because that right guard spot is right in his passing lane when, when the guy's coming up the middle. So I give John Jerry a lot of credit for being a good pass protector. But once again, where's the run blocking coming from? You know, Bob, I think it is what it is, and there are only certain things you can do. It's kind of like you get a scratch on the fender of your car. You put that little scratch crayon on it, and you can make it a little bit better. You can't get it out, but maybe you can make it a little bit better. You know, and a lot of people talk about the Savior coming in the door to make this thing better. People have been talking about that for two years now. I think you have to go to work with what you got right now. These are the guys that are here. I know people are talking New about... New line coach, too. New line coach. New voice. Mike Solari. Different, different Absolutely. mindset. Um, maybe that change, and we all love Pat Flaherty, but yeah. maybe that change in a different Don't know. coaching style. Solari's got a proven record, so put it this way. You went from one really good guy to another really good guy. And one player that people are mentioning is Anthony Davis, who just re uh, applied for reinstatement. He retired a couple years ago. He is experienced with Solari, but reports Mike Garofolo had the other day that he gets the sense that the Niners want to hold on to him and right. use him this year. So... Leave it this way. Don't rule anything out, but if I'm a Giants fan, I wouldn't hold my breath either. Let's go receivers here. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., um, we we know what he can do. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, can Sterling Shepard give the Giants what they need as a rookie? We've seen other rookies. I mean, forget about Odell Beckham Jr., what he's done as a rookie, but we've seen other guys come in and have success. feels like this is a friendly offense for guys to come in and be successful. I would be disappointed if Shepard doesn't catch 55 balls for almost 800 yards. I'll be honest with you, John. Uh, Bobby, I feel I feel he's that good. 
I really do. I think when you talk about rookies walking onto campus and being polished enough that they can produce at that level immediately, I've been doing this a long time, Bob, and I can honestly tell you, this this kid's special. He's really good. I think he's good too, Bob, but I think this will be a quote-unquote wide receiver by committee once you guess past Beckham. He's going to get his 200 targets. He's going to get his 120 catches, but after that... I don't think anybody else on this roster is going to have 70 catches or 1,000 yards. I think it's going to be a little bit of Cruz, a little bit of Shepard, both tight ends, Dwayne Harris, Shane Vereen. I think it'll be mix and match after you get by Odell Beckham Jr., which I think is fine. Yeah, and and look, people are saying, well, what are these guys going to talk about Cruz? We don't know. As we sit here right now, we have no idea. No. Everything looks on or close to schedule, as they say with mass transit when you listen to the radio. Everything's <laughs> on or close to schedule, right? And you go to the station. Everything's on or close to schedule. <laughs> it was on or close to schedule last year in Cincinnati when they practiced. He the looked man, great. He looked great. Yeah. And then the calf injury. So we'll see. I mean, but if they can get him to 85% of what he once was, then, I mean, all bets are off of how good this offense can be. Any other receivers, we know about Dwayne Harris, any other receivers, young guys, that can crack this roster and maybe have situational impact. You know who I think could be a good power slot possession type of receiver the same way Jason Avant was back with the Eagles back in the day? That's Jeremy Davis. He's not super fast, but he has good hands. He goes up and gets the ball. He can block because he's 6'3". He has a unique body type. No one else in camp has his type of body. 6'2", six, you know, six, two, 225 pounds or so. I think he could find a niche role as a possession receiver in the slot or even outside. I'll give you one more name. If Victor Cruz doesn't make it, God forbid he doesn't make it, and he's out of the mix, Roger Lewis is going to do some good things for this team. He has a chance. And he's going to do it from the outside, not from the slot. From the outside, he is going to make some plays for this team, catch 25, 30 balls or something. I could see it happening. I could see him having an impact if Cruz is out of the mix. Right, and that's all you need to help Odell Beckham Jr. So he's not feeling, So there's not that forcing mm-hmm. the ball to him as opposed to letting it sort of flow where he could be so effective. And the trick, both those guys, if they want to make this roster and make an impact, they got to play special teams too. That last wide receiver's got to play specials. they got to prove they can do it. All right, so, Paul, um, obviously Washington's the defending division champs. Uh, every team in this division has their warts. Um, yep. Do you think the Giants can make a run at winning the division because maybe 9-7, and 10-6 and six could get it done? Is that too much of a jump to ask coming off 6-10? and 10? No, I don't think it is too much of a jump. I do think that the Redskins, until proven otherwise, and Kirk Cousins is not going to have that kind of year again, but until proven otherwise, you have to say that they have a small edge on everybody else in the division. They're the defending champions, but, but the Giants are absolutely in this mix. It's wide open, Bob. I mean, the Giants can do it. I could see them winning nine or ten games. If Dallas stays healthy, I think they might have a top three offense in football. Their defense has a million questions, but they're going to be able to score now. Uh, and as for the Philadelphia Eagles, does anybody really know what they're going to do? They have another new coach. They have the quarterback coming back. They have really good talent on defense. Will the elimination of that high-paced Chip Kelly offense, which I think hurt the defense, will that help them on that side of the ball? I don't know. I could see scenarios where any one of the four teams in this division win it. I think the Giants have as good of a chance as any. And here's my summation and why I think the Giants can turn it around and win nine games this year, ten games, and win the division. They lost five games last year. With less than two minutes to go. Four of them were with less than 30 seconds to go where they had the lead. This defensive roster 
is appreciably better. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't all play to their highest, it's better than the guys that they were rolling out there last year. They have to be better. They just have to be. They, they, it cannot be worse. Mm-hmm. Well, it was record-setting worse last year. So with that, and I expect the offense will be the offense because you have Eli Manning and his record is his record. So I, I think that all uh, that you take those five games – and suddenly you flip three, and now you're at nine and seven, mm-hmm. and you're right there in the mix. So, boys, it's going to be a fun ride. Let's get ready for camp. Listen, everybody, tell all your friends. Check out the Papa Cast, Giants Cast. It's going to be on twice a week. Our next edition comes after the weekend. Once training camp has started a little bit, I'm going to get things going again on Tuesday. We'll kind of look back at the weekend. And we'll just keep pushing it forward. And make sure you tell all of your friends to subscribe to the Papa Cast Giants Cast. For Paul Dottino, John Schmel, congratulations to our contest winner as well. I'm Bob Papa on this edition of the Papa Cast Giants Cast.